0: Welcome to the J.A. Show. Today, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because we have an amazing guest, truly an amazing guest, and also we'll be speaking about his latest movie because, wow, when you think about thoughts, and for a lot of the listeners, I know you're big fans of Napoleon Hill as well, How Thoughts Can Become Things. And so when we think about the movie, the movie's called How Thoughts Become Things, and we have... I'm just so speechless at the moment because I'm so excited to share these because I know how much it's changed my life and I know with the listeners as well how much it's going to change your life. So our special guest, his name is Doug Vemirin. He has personally interviewed business leaders and companies like Nike, Reebok, Fruit of the Loom, FedEx, American Airlines, Uggboots, Uber, KFC, McDonald's. You think about these amazing, amazing organizations disney united airlines ted baker and so many more others and when you think about through that experience he's going to share with us some of those secrets in terms of success and they're probably not going to be secrets anymore as he shares it (laughs) and and in terms of the abc also television and fox business they refer to him as a modern day napoleon hill so that's quite profound too because we all know the role that Napoleon Hill has played in terms of personal development, revelations, and his his work has changed my life. And I can see how much I'm also passing it onto other people as well. Doug is also the producer and director for out of the top ten personal development movies ever made. I mean, that says something about him as well. So the new hit film, as I mentioned before, how thoughts become things. And he's also he's also authored three books. In the Guerrilla Marketing Series, he's a regular featured expert on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, CTV and CBC and many others. His training programs, he also shares how to connect on the highest level in terms of achievers, expanding your network. And I think that's so key and growing your business. And so we are so excited to have you on the show, Doug.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, with that kind introduction. (laughs)
0: well deserved well deserved and you know when we hear about that you know when we hear about your amazing portfolio what you've done tell us about your journey tell us about how you got to where you've been today
1: sure well I I guess if we take it right back to the beginning what's really kind of funny is uh, the family that I came from really had no experience or connection to personal development at all even though I'm so deeply immersed in it we just weren't connected to that In fact my father worked in construction My mom babysat kids at the home. Uh, My family was very immersed at the time in what we call the poverty pattern, living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, uh, even in high school, I was basically wearing hand-me-downs. So we didn't have a lot of uh, resources, if you will. And it was kind of interesting for me. Yeah, it was about that time that uh, someone gave me the book, Think and Grow Rich. I was about 19. And I decided to go out and start interviewing some of the world's top achievers. And that's really what kind of, Started things off for me is that as I hung around with these people, my thoughts began to change. Firstly, about myself, right, mm. and then um, things began to come together, which was very interesting for me.
0: Now, so it was through the book that you realized that this is also what I have a desire to do. To interview. You know, yeah. Well, you,
1: you know what? It, it, it's kind of interesting because a lot of the interviews that I've done in the past, I talk about thinking, grow rich. As the, as the most powerful personal development book um, that began my journey, but it was actually two books, actually technically three. The first one uh, wasn't Thinking, Grow Rich, it was How to Win Friends and Influence People by mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie, that was the very first book. And um, the gentleman that gave it to me, I'll never forget, he said, if you want to accomplish great things in your life, the first person you need to become friends with is yourself. And I'd never yeah. heard that before, or I, even, I never even thought that I had power in that way. Then, of course, there was Think and Grow Rich. But then the third book that really made a big difference to me when I was 19 was um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And mm-hmm. so it just really the combination of those three led me to believe that, first of all, I could be more myself than what I had ever realized. I, I really kind of, number one, I didn't understand that I had the power to change my future. I just kind of went along on autopilot like most people do. And I was really, again, not very good in school, so I was kind of lost in what would my future be like. Um, you know, So that, that's kind of the essence of the beginning of that. And I think uh, once I began to realize just this one phrase, it's maybe a key to everything in your life, is that if you own it, you can change it. And so if mm. I will take personal ownership of what was going on in my life, then everything became possible. And I'd never really understood that until I started reading those books. Now, where it really became magnified, it's one thing to read a book, right? Yes, yes. But it's another to actually start meeting the top achievers. So I started interviewing people that I knew in my community who had achieved quite a business, uh, bit of business success. Then I started moving to millionaires and multimillionaires and billionaires and people who had won Academy Awards and movies and athletic awards and gold medals and all this stuff. And that's when my mind literally was blown away uh, because it's one thing, You know, we got a lot of coaches and people that, you know, they mean well, and maybe they've read a book or they see the movie, The Secret or whatever. And then tomorrow they're a life coach, right? Or a business coach. And and that's great because they come from a place of sincerity of wanting to help, but they just don't have the tools. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: what I have found is that if you really want to learn how to be successful, let's just take a business coach, for example, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be taking advice from someone who's doing less than seven figures period right mm-hmm. or a life coach you shouldn't be taking advice from someone that's just kind of dabbling in it they need to be doing really big things in their life and so as i began to learn from these multi-millionaires and multi-billionaires For example, like you mentioned some of the brand names, like one of my personal mentors was one of the co-founders of federal express and the former VP of marketing for all of KFC and American Mm -hmm. airlines. And he was eight in the white house under Lyndon B. Johnson and JFK. And I mean, these were people that had done amazing, amazing things. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting is obviously you've heard the saying, we become like the five people we spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. So even as a 19 year old under their mentorship from a kid who was flat broke, I literally had a miracle happen in my first six months under their mentorship I was able to do more than 1.6 million dollars in business and that's nine thousand dollars a day for those of you doing the math now again mm-hmm. from a broke kid I want to stress out a 19 year old that had never ever had a positive bank account in his life I, I had my debit card fail for four dollars and 22 cents once right mm-hmm. from doing that to become literally almost worth, well, $1.6 million, almost on his way to $2 million in six months. And so I want to suggest that one of the first lessons that's really important that we learn is who are you getting your wisdom from? And it's not enough to settle from someone that just has good intentions. You need to drink from the well as close to the source as you can. And you really need to get somebody who knows what they're talking about. So it's so important. Mm. Big lesson for me.
0: incredible incredible and when we hear about this story is how books can truly change your life and all those three books I have it on my shelf I think they are valuable (laughs) absolutely and about those people even the Think and Grow Rich book now Andrew Carnegie he made those introductions for Napoleon Hill so in your journey how were you introduced to these amazing successful people
1: You know, it's so funny. That's probably the number one question I get. How did you get access to people like Oprah Winfrey (laughs) or Ellen DeGeneres or Donald Trump, even though some people like him, some people don't, uh, Richard Branson or Steve Jobs or even Warren Buffett or some of these people? Um, The truth of the matter is, is there is an art and a science to either getting access to them or getting past their gatekeepers, (laughs) because most of these guys have significant gatekeepers that will keep you out. Um, But one of the probably most useful things, in fact, I've got Um, a thing that I I teach in a program called the highest value skill, your highest value skill is your ability to create, maintain relationships at high levels. Mm -hmm. That's the highest value skill that you, you can totally have. It's not again, what, you know, it's who, you know, you've heard that before. So we've got kind of a list of, how should we say the top way to connect with someone all the way to the least effective. As you can imagine, the least effective is simply cold calling or shooting Mm -hmm. an email over saying, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. People don't know who that is. You know, it doesn't really do a lot of good.
0: I love the highest,
1: you that one. yeah. It's but but the mutual, highest connect, yeah. Mm. yeah. The highest connect that you can do is obviously to have someone who's a mutual friend take you by the hand and say, with a personal endorsement, "This is my friend." Now, in you know Napoleon Hill's day, he used a, a reference letter from Andrew Carnegie. You will remember.
0: And so that fits
1: in and around number six or number seven. People don't really use reference letters very much anymore. Mostly they get a testimonial and they put it on their website. That's what they call the reference letter. But really it's that personal introduction. And I'll never forget, you know, one of the ways to get a personal introduction to happen is you need to very specifically know how to earn trust upfront and in the beginning. I'll never forget, get this. One of of the success interviews that I did, I said to the gentleman, "Um, have you got 15 minutes for me? And so he said, okay, sure. And I didn't really think, you know, what I had said, 15 minutes. But when I showed up for the meeting, he literally pulled out a stopwatch, set it on the table, and said, go. You've got 15 minutes. Now, thank goodness I was prepared, right? (laughs) Thank goodness. I had prepared. Oh, man. And and thank goodness he also wasn't my first interview, right? Because if he was my first one, I would have froze. But I was prepared. So I asked my questions, and I literally finished with about a minute and a half to spare. He clicked the watch, and he goes, wow, that's impressive. And he he really could see that I, I was serious about what I was trying to do. So that's another thing. If you want to meet top achievers, you need to be very specific and clear on your mission. A mission that's specific and clear becomes attainable and near. Write that down. A mission that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. Too many people are ambiguous with what they want to do. So this gentleman saw that I had asked the questions and I was within the time. He saw that I was on purpose and on a mission. And so he said, I can give you more time another day. I really enjoy you and I'm happy to start talking with you. So we got to build a relationship and every time I honored and respected the clock with him. We'll never forget, one day I was walking actually in in the mall that's not too far from my home even now and my telephone rings and it was this gentleman. And he said, Mm -hmm. hey, uh, are you still doing those interviews with successful people? And I said, uh, yes, I am. And he goes, well, I'm here in Costa Rica buying a railroad with the president of Quaker Oaks. Would you like to talk to him? And then he put him on, right? Yeah. So when you really earn the trust at these high levels, they will introduce you to people in their networks because they know they can trust you. It's kind of like what one of my friends said, Right. He said, uh, think of your network like this. If you want to elevate your network and get to the next level, he says, it's almost like a pool party, a swimming pool party, right? He mm-hmm. says, nobody wants to say they're the guy that invited the kid that peed in the pool, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if, if you disrespect the other contacts or where you come in and you're a fake it till you make it kind of person, which never works, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody wants to say I'm friends with it's the guy that's obviously a fraud, mm-hmm. Right no one wants to promote or support that. So you need to show up, you need to honor your commitments, you need to show up with integrity, you need to do what you say you're gonna do and don't embarrass the people that introduce you at those high levels, right? Because their reputation's on the line. If they bring someone to the party, again, that is the guy that kinda wrecked things, well, you know, that's that's a bit of a challenge for for him. So they don't wanna do that. So just understand, that's the underlying beginning
0: of Mm -hmm. building
1: high level relationships. And by the way, it's important to recognize there's a big difference between what happens in the networking at the low to low to no level, the slow, no, and low level versus Mm -hmm. the top levels. Bottom line is one of my mentors said it this way. You'll never do a million dollar deal at a $10 breakfast. So if you want to really up level your life, your business, whatever it is, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking everything. You need to start playing at the higher levels. And that's something that it's net work, that work part. It's a real important thing. You understand how to work at this level because most people don't.
0: So the question that you know, most people would have is the how.
1: Well, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we could certainly spend a lot of time talking about that. I, I, I teach actually uh, uh, a significant series of courses on how to network at high levels because so many people don't know how to do it. Right. Again, and you they, did they, so
0: well done because I, I listen to you in terms of you spoke about those different levels, and it helps us to have that understanding as going to a networking event thinking about what's the best way you can be introduced to someone to have that understanding that mutual connection that you have that you do that
1: yeah and and most people when they come to a a networking event they're kind of trained because they've only attend the low level ones that it's about exchanging business cards it's about getting people as customers it's about you know sharing come look at my booth come look at my stuff that i've got or here's a free book or whatever and if you do that at a high level it's the last time you're invited no, you won't be invited back, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's just not the way that top level people think or operate. If you give your book to someone, they know that you're doing that because you want something in it in the end. There's so you haven't earned the right to give that. It's it's kind of like, if you think about it, um, anytime that we make an exchange like that, we have to earn the right to be able to do it. And most people just don't understand. But like, yeah, it, this is a whole other discussion and I mm-hmm. and I love it. It's fun to talk about. But without sort of the foundational principles of understanding how relationships at high levels are built, um, you know, we we could be creating some dangerous situations where people here who are listening are just going go to go and try foundation. some of the quick fix stuff. I mm-hmm. think if I was to give you a one number one tool about connecting at that high level, uh, it's the first. The first thing is is don't fake it till you make it. That's a total lie. I was mm-hmm. sitting at an event with a multi billionaire one time, and I'm talking like three, four billion dollars in this pocket he's a pretty smart fellow, right? And as we're sitting here, there's this guy on the stage talking about how many Ferraris he owns and what his house looks like and how much money he makes. And this, this billionaire turns to me and he goes, the guy's a liar. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, first of all, uh, people with money, never tell you how much they have Mm
0: -hmm. real people with money. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, he who talks about it most has none. And then Mm -hmm. he says, and the other thing I'll tell you is don't get involved with that guy. Because if he's a faker or a fraud, it's going to come back and bite you on your reputation. So when we have people who are faking it till we make it, that really repels. Nobody, no billionaire or millionaire wants to help that person, right? Mm -hmm. We want to avoid them because we know that it's not right. So instead of that, can I maybe make a suggestion? Be authentic, but be teachable. So if you want help from a millionaire, one of the first things that you can say is, I do want to go where you are. I want to be there. And I'm honest that I'm not there yet. But I'm teachable mm-hmm. and if we surrender our ego it's that old saying that you can be rich or you can be right you can't be bold if you choose to be right and you cheers to you you choose to be all I'm in control and I have all the answers yeah, no one no one wants to help you
0: you're not mm-hmm. teachable
1: right and the funny thing is, is actually I'm thinking about one particular um friend that I have he's worth about 800 million dollars and every event that I've ever been to it's interesting he's the guy who talks the least and asks the most questions so he's genuinely mm-hmm. always curious. He's always teachable, even at that level. He's still mm-hmm. trying to understand how he can be more effective, right? Mm-hmm. So I know we talked a lot about money, by the way. I don't want to keep throwing out numbers, but I just want you to know how top level people think. It's very different than what, you know, there's no scarcity at a top level, but at the bottom, everybody's worried about competitors, they're worried about making a sale, They're worried about being noticed, they're worried about, you know, appearing flawless. At the other end of the mm-hmm. spectrum, there's more confidence there. People know that they don't have anything to prove.
0: That's so true. Right? And I've worked in in terms of luxury uh, property sales as well. Mm. And the clients I was dealing with, so there would be, you know, in the tens of you know fifty million dollars, for example. Mm. So the clients that I was dealing with were at that level. You know, they they would have $100 hundred million available to spend not and that's just available to spend in terms of spare money and i would just study these people i would see how they would interact with me as well and it's amazing that my top client she never did her hair when she came in she always (laughs) wore sweaters and if she walked in the street no one would even know and today i'm just a (laughs) t-shirt
1: yeah actually it's kind of funny that um you know i love the book by thomas j stanley the millionaire next door And it's really interesting that you can often tell the most wealthy people, um, not necessarily because of how they dress, but really by how they act. And it was Mm -hmm. funny. One of my mentors said it this way. He goes, you can always tell who the rich men are because they always spend money on a watch or their shoes. Those are the two things that men (laughs) tend to buy. And, but he said with women, it's hard to tell because they, some women are just really good shoppers. And they just know how to put an outfit together. So he says, I can always tell with men, but I can't ever tell with women. Hey. And uh, I'll never forget that uh, I had another friend who uh, I was involved in a business deal a handful of years ago, and uh, I showed up and I wasn't dressed really well for the meeting. You know, these were older gentlemen. So here's the other thing: is if you're if you're dealing with older gentlemen who are wealthy, they do expect you to come groomed properly and dress nice. That's just their generation, <laughs> right? But if you look at my generation. The wealthy there will show up, you know, holes in their jeans and the, you know, t-shirt and a ball cap or whatever. So, anyways, I didn't know, but I was invited to a meeting and most of the people there were the older generation. So I showed up in a pair of shorts, some flip-flops, a t-shirt and a ball cap. And uh, when I got there, I could tell a couple of the gentlemen looked at me like, "What are you thinking? You don't maybe belong here." And then one of the younger guys rescued me. He goes. It doesn't matter what you dress or how you dress if you show up in a Ferrari. And I had driven one of my Ferraris there that day. So, you know, there's there's just different generational mm-hmm. things that we look at, what's acceptable and what's not. But I'll never forget that line, doesn't matter what you dress like if you show up in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Kind of for the old guys, that doesn't <laughs> cut it, right? For the young guys, maybe it does. I don't know. But it is, it, it's an interesting thing. And I, I try, for me to be respectful of who's going to be there. So if I did know that those gentlemen were there, I, I don't want to alienate those that are my peers. I want to, you know, since then, I, I generally won't show up at a business meeting in a t-shirt like this. I'll, I'll be at least business casual, mm-hmm. right?
0: Uh, so. that Yeah, that's truly, really, truly really different ways of thinking, really understanding who are the people that are there. And you yeah. said the word respect, and I think that's the key thing, having respect, especially when you're networking. And so, yeah. Doug, I wanted to ask you as well, your passion for film, where, how did that start?
1: Wow, well, you know, it's really funny. I think probably like most people in my generation, there were a lot of big blockbusters as a kid when I was growing up, everything from Star Wars to Raiders of the Lost Ark to E.T. to you name it, right? And so I always kind of fell in love with film from that. And then when I was in about the second grade, my mother had a part-time job at a photography studio. And the lady who uh, kind of owned the studio, that w- was my mom's boss, she had a son that was doing um, you know, work on movies and he was making quite a bit of money towards his college fund. Now, the truth is he was a much better looking kid than I was, so he was really busy. But my mom wanted me to, to have a, that advantage, that opportunity. And because I loved film so much, this was exciting to me. So they registered me with an, uh, an extras casting agency when I was like, I think it was like eight or nine maybe. Anyway, so the first job that I ever did was for a, an after-school special. Uh, I've never seen it. It's called Mildred McFaul, and I was the newspaper boy, and I was riding the bicycle. <laughs> of course, I've always been a smaller guy, so I had all these big newspapers on this bicycle, and I was trying to, like, kind of navigate my way through. I always kind of joke, looking back, I should have gotten paid stunt pay for it because it was just, like, reckless. But um, I remember for the day I made 50 bucks. And it was the most that I had ever made doing anything in my life. Well, I mean, I was nine, right? It was like mm. crazy money. So my parents did put it aside for me. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't know anything about money. So by the time I went to go use it in college, it was worth about $51 instead of $50. So they, they didn't know what to do with it. But, but I had done a couple of little movie jobs like that. Also, I have to confess in high school, I used to skip school to go be on movie sets and stuff like that. So that was kind of always my passion. Mm-hmm. And even though I produced four of the top 10 personal development movies, I've been involved in other films as well. And um, I've even done like stunt work and photo doubling and stuff like this. And my, I know we're getting way off topic here from personal development. But <laughs> one of my favorite stunts, two, my favorite two stunts that I ever did I I did a jump from a motorcycle to a Hummer at about 65 kilometers an hour once. Oh, wow. Jumping straight across. That was pretty cool. And it worked out okay. I'm still here. Yeah. And then the the other one that was kind of neat is I did this uh, TV pilot called The Signal. And I got to shoot an M16 and back up and climb on the skids of the helicopter and take off as I was shooting this M16. It was pretty neat. I felt kind of like James Bond.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. That's the thing yeah. about movies, the imagination that's involved, what you can create as well. It's pretty cool. And just the ideas. And it's like you can become more of yourself too. You You realize you can explore these different characters. And so what about the idea about how thoughts become things? Where did the idea of the movie come up? I'd love to hear more about
1: that too. Well, you know, what's interesting is that this has been an idea that maybe I couldn't verbalize it so much, but even when I was a 19 year old and I started doing the interviews with the top achievers, I noticed a change in my own thinking. I noticed a change in myself that I started thinking at a higher level than I'd ever realized. And so I kind of knew it, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And then I kind of fell into speaking because people, you know, they said, well, what did Richard Branson teach you? Come talk to our group. And so as I started to look for ways to share what I learned, that's when I kind of could put a box around it and say, this is kind of the principle, right? This is what he said, this is what he did, here's the principle. And so that really kind of evolved and developed. And then naturally, um, you know, as uh, you know, I began to see this idea of thoughts become things, and we've all heard that saying before, I really had a question like, how? Okay, so we know that they do, but how does it really come about? And so, quite frankly, this has become a subject of a heavy study for me, something I was very interested in. And so, like my first movie came out in 2008, and mm-hmm. I actually had this idea, if you, if you look on the YouTube, you'll see that the first trailer for this film went up in 2010. Mm-hmm. Well, this is 10 years later that I'm actually now putting out the movie. And, and the truth of the matter is, is this was going to be my second movie at one point. But then I realized I just didn't know all that I wanted to share. I didn't have a like all the answers for it. And mm-hmm. what was funny is I ran into one lady who was a, um, a neuroscientist uh, up at mm-hmm. the university here. And she said something to me that kind of scared me, but at the same time was inspiring. She said that um, in the last 10 years, meaning from like, about 2010 to 2000 she said 98.2% of the things that we know in psychology and about the brain have changed and I was mm-hmm. like wow yes. so I need to make sure I understand this well before I share this with the public mm-hmm. because a lot of the things that were currently being taught about the mind maybe maybe by the time my movie comes out it'll be obsolete too so I wanted to make sure that I had some really good concrete answers so kind of what happened is I know I did the interviews with the 400 top achievers, but I went back to many of them. Many of them are still even friends today. And I started asking them more questions around the idea of thought and psychology. How do you stay focused with goals that, are matter, that matter most to you? When, when you have a negative thought, how do you beat that? Right? When you're afraid of something, are you afraid of something? And what do you do? Like how do you deal with fear? Right? Mm. And then how do we know about all the thoughts that come into your life? What are the ones that you decide to actually do something about? right? Because the truth is, is I have thoughts every day and some of them, Mm. it's interesting, but I don't take action on it. Why is that? Mm. So I really wanted to get to the bottom of some of these questions. And that's why the movie was really so long in the making.
0: Mm. Yes. So you said so many great words there in terms of understanding that you felt in your heart that you had the idea that there was still a lot more work to be done. And it was in the right time when you found the right person. And to feel like that is okay because when it happens, you understand why you need more information, for example. And I also loved in the film when Bob Proctor says thinking is the highest function and most people yes. do not think. And so when you know that and you know the true power of creation throughout thoughts, talk more about thinking as a highest function and why we should be thinking more. It sounds simple, but there's yeah. so much more to it.
1: Well, there's also, I guess, a great way to approach that and answer it. There's also this idea that thinking and having thoughts are two different things, right?
0: Hmm. Because many
1: of us, um, you know, we we have these passing thoughts. We have thoughts in regards to everything. Our thoughts are really kind of a reactionary thing. Um, In fact, just let's use an example here. If I were to say the word dog right now, all your listeners, everybody who's tuned in, um, they're thinking of a dog right now. a color, a size, a particular kind of dog, et cetera, right? So if I hadn't mentioned the word dog, we never would have thought about that. That wouldn't have entered into your mind right now. So our thoughts are primarily a reactive state, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But what we don't understand is we have control over our environment, which actually triggers a lot of our thoughts. Right. So most of us never really consider how, for example, our social media, the television shows, the people we surround ourselves with, the music we listen to, the way that we dress, the pictures we hang. We don't think about any of how that affects our thoughts or our thinking. Even the, so for some people, the chaotic state and how they have their office or the clean and organized state, how they have their office. All of these things uh, create reactions within our mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that if we're to look now at if we get deliberate. Let's go back to this example of dog. If I were to start the interview and I would have said, listen, make a decision right now that every time I say the word dog throughout this interview, you're going to picture a certain specific kind of dog. You get to choose what it looks like. And this is what it's going to be every time. Now, if I mention the word dog again, now you have control over that, right? Because you've already pre-decided what the dog is going to look like when it appears. Now let's take how this applies to success. If I say to you and let's just pull something out of the hat here, let's say, Uh, I don't know. Are you, are you married right now? Yes. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if you and your husband decide what a good relationship looks like and also what the boundaries are for when you guys might argue, because everybody does eventually Mm -hmm. and you make decisions ahead of time, as far as these are the rules, this is how we're going to do it. And we can't violate these rules. And here's the consequences for rule violators. And this is what it's going to look like. Now, all of a sudden, you guys get into a bit of a tiff. You've already got some strategies that are built. So you yeah. don't go off the rails on some other crazy, unpredictable tangent. You've got that course is set out. It's the yeah. same with anything in life. You want to establish boundaries before you get to them. That way someone else's fire does not become your emergency. How often have you had things hijacked when someone says, oh, last minute, I need your help. And it interrupts a plan that you already had in place,
0: yeah.
1: right? Well, for most people, they're, they're always on autopilot and reactive mode. So if somebody needs help, they drop everything and kind of run over there. Or they let themselves be hijacked. Right. So one of the things that's a difference between thoughts and thinking is that we decide ahead of time what we want so that when the opportunities appear, when the things show up on the radar, when the circumstances happen, when things become reactive, we actually make a decision based on what our outcomes need to be, what we really want. Right. Rather than in a responsive mode. So that's one way to kind of answer that question, I think. Now, Mm -hmm. what's crazy is you've seen the movie. Some of that we talk about, some of that we didn't get a chance. So one of the things that we did for those that really like this kind of a conversation is I really hope that you'll look at some of the other tools that are available when you come to the movie, right? Because we've got all kinds of bonuses and things that really get into the details of this, including a workbook, so that you can Mm. actually implement this stuff. So we're very proud of that.
0: And I have to say that is true because there are so It's like reading a book. You have to get so deep. You have to reflect. And There were so many moments when you were speaking, for example, Doug, I just had to pause and I had to think and I had, you know, I had my notebook literally beside me as I was watching. I watched it the first time and I thought, no, I need to watch it again, but this time with a notepad because it was just so, it's one of those movies where you just like, this is so deep. This is so profound and it can change the way I can look at things And as we know, as human beings, in terms of the habits, what are we thinking? What are we feeding ourselves? And so, through that, it it is, you know, listening to the best experts in the world to listen to that. It's so fulfilling. So, so I've got a confession.
1: I've got a confession to share with you. When I designed this movie, we did something a little different that we've never done in one of our movies before. Um, One of my friends, uh, in fact, the same friend who's got the background in neuroscience, I invited her to talk to us a little bit about how the movie should be structured so that it goes deeper here and that it actually changes the person as they watch it. And so the more often that you watch it, the more changes you're gonna begin to experience. And it's actually crafted along with the notebook in such a way that it's not just a viewing experience, it's actually a changing experience. Now, let me maybe also explain another uh, important aspect about what I mean. I talked about this in the beginning. I've got a whiteboard behind me here. I've talked about this in the beginning of the film, but you know, we look at the title, how thoughts become things right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And something really kind of interesting about this is it's almost like there's a line in the middle. Everybody talks about thoughts. You hear this conversation a lot. How do I stop thinking negatively? How do I overcome fear? How do I overcome personal doubt? How do I get control of my thoughts if they're all over the place and scattered? How do I say again, focus with the ones that matter, right? So this is a big part of the conversation. A lot of people want to know that. They also talk a lot about things. In fact, most people, when you talk about thoughts becoming things, that's the first place their brain goes, oh, I wonder if this film can help me manifest that new house that I want or the nice car or the perfect relationship or more money or blah, 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 blah. So this is the area everybody focuses on. And this Mm -hmm. is all about the things that you're going to have. And that's kind of where they go. They want straight to the finish line. Let's shortcut this so we can pick up our gift certificate at the end of the line, so to speak, right? Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: this is actually the more important side this is the side that really matters most. Now the how has a lot to do with this idea of what are we gonna do to be able to get the things that we wanna have, right? How is all about the do. And if you go to a lot of seminars right now and stuff, a lot of times they give you some really good ideas on how you can do this, right? You wanna flip real estate, this is how you do it, right? Or you wanna do Forex trading, this is how it's done, right? And those are wonderful things, but as we know, A lot of people go to seminars and they don't really do anything with that Mm. information and they're back again and again and again. So this is actually the important word here. And that's the word become. Let me explain a little bit about that. Jim Rohn, you remember the great motivational speaker? I'm a big fan of Jim. (laughs) Um, He said once that if a person wins the lottery and they want to keep it, they're going to have to learn how to become a millionaire very Mm. fast. So become is important. So become is really this idea of be. You need to be before you can do, before you can have. And most people don't understand, you know, if action, meaning the do, speaks louder than words, the truth is, is being actually speaks even louder than actions. There's a really great book that I highly recommend called The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey, Stephen Covey's son, talks about the importance of being, Right. And that even we as people, sometimes the stuff we do, we make a mistake, we don't always do what's brilliant, we sometimes don't even know all the answers of what to do. But if our hearts in the right place, and we're not faking it till we make it, and we're genuine, we're authentic, we're full of integrity, oftentimes if we do make a mistake with do people forgive us. Um, again, going back to this idea of relationships, right? If you're married to somebody, and you know that they're trying to do their best by being the right person, they're always, you know, they're faithful, they're honest, they're full of integrity, but they make a mistake one day, oftentimes it's pretty easy to forgive that. Mm-hmm. But if someone is, uh, pardon the expression, phony baloney, and then they go and do something wrong, well, we always question the motives now because they're always kind of in a challenging circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea of become, that's really what this movie is about. And if we think mm-hmm. about it, I love kind of, you know, uh, Bob Proctor and I were talking one time about how everything vibrates at a frequency. And mm-hmm. let's say the frequencies here at a high level. Well, if you want to, get that you need to become more in tune to that level and how do you really do that well it comes to that idea i believe because our thoughts are reactionary Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: you've heard that saying that we become like the five people we spend the most time right and it's not spent spent is past tense so this idea, if you're one of those people that is thinking, well, I come from a difficult family, my, my programming was set up by my parents, who they were totally messed up, and my community, it was totally messed up, and I don't believe any of that, but my programming is so dysfunctional, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's a great excuse. But the truth is, is most people, they say that their programming stopped or was most powerful between the ages of three and five. Well, that's actually not true. Your programming is ongoing even Mm -hmm. today in fact even if you're listening to this right now you're still being programmed in this very moment as you hear my voice right now you're being programmed Mm -hmm. and so what i want to suggest to you that if you don't like what's going on in your life right now you might want to up level the programming surrounding the influences to you right now again that's people places shows that you watch social media everything you're surrounding you can level that up in the moment, like today, okay? And so it's really important. Now, by the way, just as another interesting note, just on this idea of thoughts here that I wish I would've got a chance to speak about in the movie. We're talking again about this idea of, okay, well, how do I control negative thoughts, fear, <laughs> negative thinking, all this stuff? Well, you know what? The truth is, is you'll never be able to control it. Boy, that sounds optimistic and encouraging, doesn't <laughs> it? You'll never be able to do it. It's because. Most results thoughts actually arrive in pairs, right? There's a positive and a negative on every thought that arrives. Let me explain what I mean. So if you've got the thought in your mind, maybe you want to start a business and be an entrepreneur. You're going to have this idea come in and go, wow, I can do this. This is a great idea for a business. And you're all excited until all of a sudden the secondary thought comes and says, but maybe it's not for you. Maybe you can't do it. Maybe you don't know enough. Maybe you're not worthy enough. Maybe fill in the blank, right? So those two thoughts kind of sit together. They're always there and they're always going to fight with each other. But what happens is as they descend really into what I call your programming nest, meaning everything that you believe is truth, you know, you might land in a group where, you know, your family has told you in the past, we're not entrepreneurs here. We don't do that kind of thing. We're not enterprising. We don't have the answers. So what happens is all of a sudden when it lands in the nest, the negative one all of a sudden receives more power versus if you have a group around you that says, no, you can do it. You can be an entrepreneur. You can succeed. Well, now those two dual thoughts land in here and the positive one has more power. So that group that you surround yourself with, the support network, if you will, that you have, has a lot of bearing on which side, which element, the positive or the negative will receive more power. And the interesting thing is, is a lot of people also assume that it's just that programming, right? Well, even more important than the programming is an awareness of your programming.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you
1: decide, even aside from what your programming or your nest has given you, your support network, that I'm going to do this. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. And you're clear with that. You've got actually more power going into it, even if your network sucks. Because now you can make a conscious decision to draw a boundary around the negativity that they might bring into your life. And you can say, I accept this positive, this is who I am. And you're gonna replace that network. You're gonna replace those influences. You're gonna replace whether it's re- reading books to bring in that will support you in that, going out and getting additional learning, connecting with people, going to different geographical locations so you're no longer home watching Netflix. You're actually out at a place where you know, it, it, it's supportive to you. There's so much that you can do, but that's a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the problem with most people is they're running a neutral autopilot or based on their ritual tendencies. So the minute you make a decision to, on who you want to become and you do that in advance prior to the opportunity arriving, suddenly you've got more power when the opportunities show up and the opportunities always show up.
0: Yes, they do. They truly do. And I've seen it happen in my life, so I encourage all the listeners as well, the decision, understanding the power of your decision. But also I love how you spoke about you know, becoming and being. Yeah. And that's something that we also need to be very mindful and thoughtful about. When you are thinking about your thoughts, are you also thinking about the person that you desire to become, the person that you've always wanted to be, for example? And I think it's so key where you said understanding who you are, being very clear about it, having that consciousness as well and that awareness. So so let let
1: me add something to this that's kind of an interesting consideration. You've heard it said that happiness is a choice right and I would imagine for most of us that that's the outcome that we're looking to create when we've got two thoughts that come if we're gonna really seize the positive one it's it's generally because we believe it's connected to our happiness we want this because we feel it will make us happier well that idea of happiness is a choice is only partly true now what do I mean by that well recently I had an opportunity to go speak at a maximum security prison in North Carolina As I went into the prison, it was kind of scary. I've never spoken in a prison before. They had me take off my watch, my belt, uh, pull up my shoelaces. Uh, You know, they put the stamp on your hand with the ultraviolet light. They said, if it's not on your hand when you come out the door, you ain't coming out. So it was just (laughs) interesting. And then as I came into this kind of auditorium, there were all these guys in the orange jumpsuits setting up the chairs and stuff. And as I got a chance to talk to them, there was an interesting observation. As I talked to them about the power of choice... One of the gentlemen mentioned to me, well, I thought when I killed that guy, I was making a good choice, right? So in other words, we all think we're making a good choice in the moment, but not all choices lead to happiness. So happiness is not a choice. Happiness is actually being pleased with the consequences that follow from the choice, right? And so if you think about it, most of the choices that many people make in day-to-day are based on immediate gratification. And anytime you make a choice based on immediate gratification, it never creates lasting happiness. It'll either create neutral results or negative results, never astounding results, because it's just a, a choice that's convenient, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that I always tell uh, my students with, that we're working with with personal power mastery what are the things that create happiness in a choice? Well, the number one thing is you want a choice that actually expands your ability to make more choices mm. rather than contracts it. You see, we make a choice that corners us, it's like painting ourselves into a corner in the room, right? We have nowhere we can go. We're stuck. We've limited our possibilities and there's there's nothing further we can do. However, we make a choice that opens up our horizons and gives us more choices. There's happiness that can be found there. So I think it's really important that as we look at how our thoughts become things, what's gonna make us happy, it's, it's finding a way to discover things that will expand us rather than contract us. And if you think about it, ever since the universe began, the big bang and everything blows and starts expanding, everything's been expanding in the universe Mm -hmm. since the beginning, right? And so anything that works against it is actually working against the entire universe. And if you think about this-
0: That's so powerful. This is the profound part of this,
1: is that the universe is an echo chamber. It really is. And so how you show up determines what shows up for you. So if you show up again with hesitation, with jealousy, with scarcity, with comparison, with hatred, with racism, with belittlement, with abuse, with anything you fill in the blank that's negative and holds either yourself or other people back, you're actually fighting against the entire universe. But if you show up with enthusiasm excitement commitment to a grander cause the desire to help and serve and lift and blast and make yourself better and bigger right we need to understand that before we can expand what we have we must expand who we are and if we're not mm-hmm. willing to do that we're always running contrary to the entire universe and it will never work out for us mm-hmm.
0: well expanding who we are expanding who we are that's so you said that so beautifully everything that you said and you realize just the connection when you decide who you show up to be you're not only impacting yourself because you feel it but also the people around you Mm. and also there was a profound moment I mean there were so many during the film as well when Joe Vitale says some people could think too small based on past experience so if you could also share about making sure that we you think know, big, big um, because that truly makes yeah. a difference to how thoughts become things.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you, you know, it's interesting too if we even look at what does think big mean, right? Like what does it mean to think big? And I think one of the dangers that we run into is we often try to a- adapt or adopt what someone else thinks is the right answer for us and what thinks big, right? It's kind of funny, in my last film, the one just previous to this, it's called The Treasure Map. I'll never forget something that John Martini said. And John's one of my best friends. I love him to death. We've been friends for years. In fact, he's the only guy that's in all of my movies. He'll laugh at that. <laughs> but but John said this. He said that all of us are wealthy. It just appears in the form that we value most. Mm. And so I want you to think now about this idea of connecting that to thinking big, right? What do you value most? So in other words, for some people, maybe you know they do want uh, a bigger connection to self. They wanna feel more self-fulfilled, right? And that's their sense of value, their sense of worth, right? It's important to recognize that your self-worth is not attached to your net worth. They're two different kinds of worth, right? But many people get them confused. Maybe for some pers- uh, people that are out there, um, you know, their feeling of wealth is their connection to others and their relationship, not only their families, but even their community and the world at large. That's where you really feel value. And so that's your version of thinking big, right? And whatever it is, you fill in the blank, right? Maybe for some people, again, they feel like um, wealth financially is their, their biggest wealth, right? Their biggest asset. Well, mm-hmm. you need to decide. In fact, it's funny, I've got a, a friend that uh, he came up to me the other day uh, at one of our events and he said to me, um, he goes, I, I want to become a millionaire. My first question to anybody who says that is, why? Right, like, That's a good question. You want to be a millionaire? He was thinking I was gonna be like, congratulations, you know, I can help you do that. <laughs> no, no, I want to know why. And you know what's really funny is he said, well, because I'd like to go live on the beach somewhere for the rest of my life. Well, I think if you and I do the math really quickly, there's a lot of beaches that you can go live on. You don't have to be a millionaire. That's right? Funny. In fact, you can even go be a homeless person today on a beach somewhere. And you don't even have to bring your own shoes. Right? So we, when we really understand what our true value is, we'll actually often see that two things. One, that it's generally closer than we ever thought possible, right? Mm-hmm. And the second is it's not always attached to money, right? Or at least the, the amount that we think it could be, right? So it, it's really important that when it comes to thinking big, we take some time to authentically find how it aligns to our highest values you know, we got to find our reason why. When you find your why power, you'll get your willpower. It's that easy.
0: The three of thoughts, you can have it all, right? You can have the relationships, so you I, can have the I think you too.
1: can I think you can, and you should. And and here's the thing that's kind of interesting. One of my uh, favorite books is The Science of Getting Rich, which some of you... I love read. that
0: book as well, yes. Right?
1: Now, in it, Wallace D. Waddles, and depending on the edition that you're looking in, but generally, it's around page 19 to 22. He says, whatever may be said in praise of poverty, the fact remains that a person is not truly successful until they are rich. mm -hmm. you remember that phrase in there? Yes. Now, here's the thing is most people look at rich and they define it only as money. And that's true. If you're abundant in one area of your life, it will always flow over into all the areas of your life if you're truly, truly abundant. But most people don't understand this idea. Also, when we talk about your network is your net worth. Okay, let's take that word for a minute, net worth. It really can be broken into two words, net and worth. I'm going to focus on the worth part, which means worthwhile, worthy, something that you find to be you know, a benefit, uh, a value, if you will. You know that your net work is also your net value, if we substitute a word there,
0: mm-hmm. meaning that
1: those that you choose to hang around with, those that you choose to find your validation from, those that you choose to, you know, um, uh, to rise to the standards of, uh, generally, that's endorsing their value systems as well. And I think for some of us, because we feel like family, how should we say, family isn't just blood, right? You've heard that Mm -hmm. saying before. But oftentimes, because certain members of our family have a different set of values than us, We often feel in conflict when we show up at the family reunion and so and so's whispering in the corner, oh yeah, they're just all about this, but their values are different. So you're allowing yourself to submit to measurements to a value system that's not congruent with your own. So you always feel uncomfortable with certain people in your family. And that's an example of family, but it happens everywhere, whether it's at the workplace or whether it's even with colleagues that, you know, and what's even worse is when you get uh, a husband and wife who in the beginning and this is generally the husband, sorry everybody, he sees this really good looking girl and he tries to be what he thinks she wants. And so he lives by a different set of values. He adopts her values to kind of be who he thinks she wants. Well, they get married two or three years later they're into this thing and she's like, you're not the man I thought you were. And he's like, you're right. And I'm not, I don't wanna be that man. I'm my own man and I don't like who you're trying to make me to be. And so eventually Mm. they wind up in a divorce whereas in what people really need to do is find people whose values resonate with each other and they can Mm -hmm. then support each other right Mm -hmm. and it's okay to be different than someone else we don't have to have the same value system it's kind of like even that book the love languages right once we begin to understand how we receive um, yeah validation and edification we can start then uh moving towards those that get us those that are in harmony with us and that's where true happiness starts to really unfold because we can be authentically joyful and we're not worried about judgment from someone, right? We're good within ourselves. We've got no one to impress mm-hmm. or persuade. We're good. Just being right. That's In fact, so a couple true. of years ago, I, I, I read a, a really neat article. In fact, do you know how sometimes time magazine puts up those books? Like there's one based on the brain mm-hmm. or there's one yeah. based on fitness mm-hmm. or whatever. So there was one that came out. If you can find it, I encourage you to read it based on happiness. And you know, the thing that was kind of interesting is it said, uh, this article talked about some of the greatest thieves to happiness. One of them is looking too much in the past. We look Mm -hmm. at our mistakes and we say, I wish I could have done this better. I should have done this better, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And we also look in the future and we say, man, one day it'll all be better. When this and this and this happen, we qualify now what happiness looks like. But the article said that those that can actually be still and be present in the moment kind of like Eckhart Tolle the moment of the power mm. of now when I we can really that, be comfortable yeah. in our now we actually can receive the greatest kinds of happiness because we're experiencing it so to speak in the journey not the destination mm. we're content with where we are right now now i know this all sounds so easy to do <laughs> to but it's not it. <laughs> it's you not you totally
0: have to practice it mm.
1: but but for most people they don't know what they truly value so they're always in a state of confusion trying to please or or live up to the value expectations of others. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but this is something that I discovered, and we teach this in my personal Power Mastery seminars. the greatest source of human frustration, of human pain, of human anger, of human challenge, is unmet expectations. We have an expectation either that an outcome is going to be a certain way and it doesn't happen,
0: mm. or
1: other people have expectations on us and we can't live up to them. Or we come into a peer group where they've got a high set of values and we expect that we should be able to fit within that community to such an extent, but our authentic self doesn't really feel like they want to be part of that. So we're always kind of in conflict of, do I measure up? Do I not measure up? Do I fit? Am I an insider, outsider? Where do I fit? And until we really truly find what we value, um, Mm. we can't really find peace in that way.
0: Mm, That's very true. And it's important for us to set those thoughts that are concurrent with who we are and not what others, you you clearly said that as well. And so our thoughts can also impact others and we can observe it from from a distance. And how have you seen that? I know it's covered in the film as well. (laughs) Have you seen that in action?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I've seen it lots of ways in action. Uh, You know, even me personally. Um, A funny one that I can think of is when I first started as a speaker, uh, it was interesting, I'll never forget. I was at a friend of mine's event. Some of you might know Bill Bartman started out on welfare became the 25th wealthiest man in the united states at one point he invited me to come and speak at his business event and i'll never forget just before i was about to take the stage this lady came to me and here i was this like 19 20 year old kid she says she was really mean too really really mean (laughs) and she said uh, i didn't pay to come in here this naive kid whatever speak at this event i paid big money to be at this event with bill bartman blah 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 and she was really putting up a scene so of course uh, how am I going to feel about getting on the stage now? Right. Mm, (laughs) And mm. so, um, Bill came to me and he said, you know what, you're going to go and speak today. And if I have to refund her her money, I'll do that. But you're going to speak. You're my friend. You're going to speak. And you've got lots of valuable things to say. I was terrified. So get this, the thoughts of others now. So here I Mm. am and I can see her and a couple of her friends, no doubt sitting in the middle Mm. and they're all there. (laughs) right? Give me this look. And I could feel for the first couple of minutes the thoughts that they had about me. I could tell that had they a gun, I probably would have been killed that day, right? But what's interesting is as I began to speak, I started now avoiding the middle, speaking to this side, then I quickly speak to that side. and I just kind of avoided that whole middle section. But about a few minutes into it, it was really interesting. I saw the lady's arms unfold. And she started writing a couple notes down and I could just feel the thoughts change. I could literally feel the energy towards me change that from this, uh, almost like a seething hatred to all of a sudden there was a curiosity. How does this kid know this? Right. Mm-hmm. How does this, and there's an interesting note. Now you want the happy ending on that story. It's really funny. So at the time I didn't have a lot of books. In fact, I had one little book. It wasn't this one, but this is like kind of how I did it. I just, I held up my book and I said, um, I, I just wrote this little book it was called amazing success and i said i've got a couple of copies at the back if if what i said was interesting to you and you want a book come visit with me and i'll get that done well anyways as i stepped off the stage that lady the mean one was the first one there and she says how many books do you have here i said i don't know we've got like a box of i don't know three or four hundred she says i'll buy them all how much she pulled out her (laughs) check and started writing and, and, and I said, you don't have to do that because you may have felt bad or whatever. And she goes, no, I want my whole office to have your book. <laughs> so she bought them. And then I'll never forget, as I came outside, there was a lineup to buy my books. <laughs> I didn't have any. And so I said this to Bill Bartman. He goes, well, you have order forms, right? So, so you get everybody to buy a book and we'll send them one. So I kind of, I, I just hit a home run that day. But it was really kind of interesting to back to kind of your question is that I could feel her thinking change, right? It started off super negative. She was very clear about that. But to just Mm -hmm. feel that turn on the dime because I had kind of, I had enough, well, I wasn't confident in myself, but I faked that part of it, right? Like I went with the support of Bill to be confident on stage Mm -hmm. and I just stuck with what I believed to be right. And I, I ignored that. And I tried to provide as much value to the others. And by providing value to the others, I think, you know, I wonder, what do they say? Give your haters so much that they can't help but love you right? Mm. Give your haters mm. so much that they can't help. but love you. And so this lady turned, right? And by the way, that's another thing. I don't agree with a lot of the gurus today who say you're not successful unless you've got some haters out there. Well, why are we looking for negative?
0: Mm. Well,
1: why do you got to go and create some negative? It doesn't mean anything if you've got haters out there. I know lots of people who aren't great speakers, who aren't great people, and they've got lots of haters and they're not going to be successful because they've got haters. Don't be on a mission to accumulate haters. It's a waste of everyone's time.
0: Mm, right, we're
1: we here to expand, it.
0: right? We're here to expand absolutely. You know, yeah, and so but you anyways, say that, I also think about the scarcity thinking as well.
1: Yeah, hmm.
0: I mean, that's a big one where some people may not realize that they have that scarcity thing it could be programmed in their mind. Yeah. So, what about that awareness? Could you also share about? having that awareness and then also moving into having that abundance mindset or abundance. Well, I, th- I think
1: one of the first things to remember is that you can't ever attract abundance if, if you've got one foot in scarcity and one foot in abundance. And scarcity manifests itself anytime that there's jealousy, comparison, criticism, uh, anything that contracts, any kind of hatred or undermined jabs or comments that are meant to uh, detract or injure another person, those are all scarcity comments, right? So we've gotta be really careful. Even this idea of treating someone as competition is a scarcity point of view. And I see that a lot again at the low level networking that people are always scared about my competitors that are there as well, blah, blah, blah. The minute that you're really looking at it from that point of view, you're in trouble. Um, By the way, one of the things we teach in our entrepreneur programs is you just take that word compete and if you really wanna learn how to do it right to work with your competition, you actually change it to complete. And you look by where you can be complimentary or collaborative about with those that are in your marketplace. You know, we could even use this as a really good example, this movie, How Thoughts Become Things. Yes, I'm a speaker, I go out and I do seminars, but so does Bob Proctor, Joe Vitale, John Martini, John Ostrock, Dennis Waitley, Marie Dime, Dun- my whole cast. So if I was to look at it narrowly and say, oh, they're my competition, I'm gonna do this by myself, Well, that's pretty ridiculous, right? Mm. And some of these people are my best friends. The truth is, is there's a lot of stuff that they teach that I don't. And there is a lot of stuff that I teach that they don't, right? Mm. You got to admit, after interviewing 400 of the world's top achievers, I've got some stuff no one's seen before. There's success markers that tend to show up. In fact, it's funny. I had a lawyer one time at one of my events. He said, you know what? If I had one witness in a K case, a law case, he said, "I I could persuade the judge that that's true. Mm-hmm. if I had three it's even more powerful that's a fact He says if mm-hmm. I had a dozen it would be indisputable Then he put his hand on my shoulder and he says, you my friend have interviewed more than 400 of the world's top achievers never since the days of Napoleon Hill has anyone had such perfect information on how to get to success There's no one in the world right now that has what you have and I never realized that before and I guess he's right um, mm-hmm. you know the thing that's kind of interesting is um, And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I just say this as an example of the power of the 400, not my power, the power of learning from that kind of mentor. I was recently just recognized by Money Magazine as the number one passive income and wealth coach in the world. I was like, what? I said, well, how did you guys come up with that? Like, how did you know that it was me? He says, well, we looked at all the big names, teaching wealth, real estate, investment, Forex, all the people teaching this stuff. And he says, we looked at their students not them their students and mm-hmm. we looked to see the percentage of people that could generate and this is the, t- the statistic they used an average of ten thousand dollars a month on their teachings okay with their teachings and they said for me that it was 78.2 percent of my students that come through my program end up doing a minimum of ten thousand dollars a month now i was curious i won't mention any names but i said who was the closest behind me well the number was eight percent now that comes back to this idea: to get people that go and they don't do when they get to a seminar. And why do they not do? It's because they feel inadequate in the B. They don't feel like they have enough support. They don't feel like they have enough answers. They don't feel like it will work for them. They don't feel like their programming really is supportive of it. And so, therefore, they feel like they're alone. And when a person feels like they're alone, and also with something new and confusing, they become fearful. And when people are fearful, they do nothing. The return on nothing is always nothing. So if a person does nothing, they get nothing. And excuses never created anything. So, you know, that's one of the things that I pride myself on is when I was with the top achievers, Uh, I'll be honest with you, as a 19-year-old, I was afraid. I had never seen any of these kind of investing or business strategies or real estate. I'd never seen any of that. You know, I was so afraid. But I recognized that the way they taught me and got me to do something created momentum. And momentum is what creates uh, success, not motivation. Mm. Anybody can get excited and rah rah at a seminar, but mm. momentum is different because momentum means you're running and you're now seeing results, and your brain now says this is possible because I'm experiencing it in real time, mm. right? And so, because of what I learned from the top 400 achievers and the way they taught me, I can teach others, and people benefit and get results.
0: Mm. And so, so, what are ways in terms of understanding the success? In terms of you what you discovered through this 400 what are the best ways that our listeners can find out more about that work that you've done with the uh just with that amazing research that you had and through the interviews sure
1: well you know what's funny and, and i was talking with a a different reporter about this earlier today um <laughs> i had to really select what it is that i wanted to teach because as you can imagine learning from 400 of the world's top achievers you get good at business you get good at wealth you get good at mindset you get good at goal set right so i've got lots of things that i I could share. So um, what I've tried to do is focus on a few elements that I feel really change lives. Number one is thoughts. So you can head over to get that movie at howthoughtsbecomethings.com. It's, uh, like I said, it's got the workbook and all kinds of really amazing tools. Through our website, some of the other books like Personal Power Mastery, um, it's funny because uh, Joe Vitale uh, wrote in here that this was destined to become a classic in personal development. The classics thus far things like Think and Grow Rich, things like mm-hmm. Seven Habits of Highly Effective, so he thinks that this should be right up there. Bob Proctor wrote the Ford on it. There's a lot of really big support from top personal development people. So this is a big one. But we've also got a lot of free tools, things that you can access right away. If you like me, if you get my vibe, you'll become my tribe, right? I want people who, like, here's the deal. Me as a speaker, I run a business, not a babysitting service. So I want people that are ready for the journey with us that are ready to do the work. I can help you. Here's the deal. It's the willingness factor. There's two things that that you need to become successful. One is a willingness to do it right. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the willingness, nothing else can help you. And the second is the strategy. I can give you the strategy, but I can't give you the willingness. So if you're really willing to learn and and you like that, then I can help you. So YouTube, I've got a channel with free stuff up. We've got a podcast that's out there. We've got uh, an Instagram uh, site where we'll put, posting quotes and things. And then there's a handful of different groups on Facebook as well, where there's a lot of free information that's shared. But um, the key is, again, if, if, if you really are ready to do the work, if you're willing to make the change, if you're really willing to own your life, to take control over it and put in the effort to get to the next level, you can and you will succeed. Um, I won't lie to you about this idea. When I was uh, 19, man, uh, we always talk about, hey, he made so much money in the first six months, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I worked my butt off too. I was just using correct strategies and I had to be willing to do it. And here's the other thing I'll just maybe finish on this because we're running to the top of the hour is that right now I know there's a lot of gurus that are out there. They're telling you that you need to become part of the 5 a.m. club. Wake up early. You need to go to bed late. You need to hustle. You need to grind. You need to do all this kind of stuff. Well, you know what? That's kind of interesting that they tell you that, but they don't tell you what to do. While you're grinding, while you're hustling, while you're waking up early, they don't give you a set of, this is what you should do. So I'm going to say something to finish that I think is hopefully comforting to you, but also will point out the flaw. Mm -hmm. You've heard so many gurus say you need to take massive action. You got to take massive action. Can I tell you that that's not true? You need to take deliberate action. I don't want you to get busy spinning your wheels, doing stuff that doesn't count. Productivity isn't doing more to get more. Productivity Mm -hmm. is, in fact, sometimes keeping your level of output really, really big, but just doing things better so that you've got a lot more time, Mm -hmm. a lot more freedom, a lot more opportunity, but your productivity stays exactly where it was or goes even higher. I don't want you to take massive action. I want you to take the right kinds of action to get deliberate with what you're doing. And that's the message that I think is missing in personal development. That's what I gained as I spent time with 400 of the world's top achievers. You wanna know how to build a multi-million dollar company? You know, right now this year, I'm doing eight figures in passive income. That means eight figures not attached to a job, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not because of me again, that's because of the 400 achievers, multi-billionaires, that taught me how money is really made and it's not attached to time or education or any of these things. Time is attached to systems. That's what it mm. is. And if you know how to build the systems and use the, 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 the resources that are around you, whether it's through delegation or automation or you know other things that you can do, leverage, um, you can really be quite successful. And that's not just about money, it's about everything in life. Everything mm. in life has systems that will allow you to be more productive. And it's never working harder. <laughs> it's mm. never working harder.
0: That's so true. And there's so, so when you spoke about in terms of competing, and I completely agree, I also realized that um, reading signs of getting rich. So so you shouldn't be focusing on competing, you should be thinking about creating. Because as soon as you think about competing, imagine you could be using your energy to create. And then same thing as well, when you said it's not about working harder, it's about working a lot more intelligently and being definite. And I also love that even from the Colin Hills work, that you have to have a definite plan. You have to have a definite purpose. And it's not about, and you see the most successful people in the world, you think of Henry Ford, and Andrew, um, Andrew Carnegie in and that as well. They surrounded themselves with the right people. So you also speak about networks. So you see how it's all connected and also our thoughts as well. I mean, as soon as you, Uh, you realise that, yes, thoughts do become things, but understanding the how I think is a great revelation that you've been able to give to the world as well. So we just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And you know just Thank some you. of your last final.
1: I look forward words, to doing so. it again sometime.
0: <laughs> absolutely. I feel like we've just kind of just touched the surface and there is oh my so goodness. much goodness And
1: especially the ideas that we're finishing. There's so much more I'd love to add there if there were time. But maybe next time we'll pick it up right here. That's fine. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So you know, on yeah, so Doug, you're definitely welcome to come back again. <laughs> so we just Thank say you. that. And Thank we you. definitely can delve in deeper because I think I just know the listeners would love to hear more about you about what you do because it is a true testament you know when you say be you are living your life as you as truly adding so much value serving so many people across the world as well and just the people you realize the people around you make such a huge difference
1: it is we're a reflection of those we spend the most time with indeed so it's important Mm -hmm. there's the challenge for the audience go level up that's what you
0: gotta do <laughs> absolutely right. absolutely so thank you so much Doug I'll make sure I put all that in the descriptions where you can go to see the film as well and also the books that he has and his website too so thank you thank you so much Doug. thank you thanks for having me such a pleasure surround yourself with people of the right character that also lift you to higher places for your desire to translate into reality, you must also apply the Mastermind Principle. To so join our Mastermind Alliance weekly online meetings, register at wwwlauraeribeirocom forward slash mastermind. So that's com forward slash mastermind to discover more. Community in a spirit of perfect harmony is power.